0: Hi there, and welcome back to the Natural Curiosity Project, the place for stories that matter. I'm your host, Steve Shepard. I have this annoying habit, I mean, hey, it annoys me, so I'm assuming it annoys you as well, of combining what appear to be unrelated topics in this program and then showing how they are in fact related. This episode's no exception. My love of the natural world and my respect for the business world come together here. I hope you find the results interesting. I had a conversation the other day with a young business leader who finds himself in a position that most leaders find themselves in at one time or another during their careers. He's young, but he's had a successful run so far. He's learned well from both his successes and his stumbles. He's made good decisions and watched them play out, and he's gone to great lengths to develop his knowledge and his skills. His concern is simple. How can he determine what the passions are that drive his life and his career so that he can be good at his job while also making time for the personal side of his life? Look, we all know that success breeds a desire for more success, and the siren song of accomplishment can be overwhelming. As most successful leaders soon discover, the balance between personal and professional living can be kind of hard. One of the concerns that this young executive wrestles with is the belief that he should choose one passion among the many that he has and focus on just that one to the exclusion of the others, if he is to be recognized as a successful and skilled leader, while at the same time making space for the personal side of his very busy life. In other words, he feels like one of the passions has to win out over all the others, sort of a zero-sum game of leadership. I disagree, and I told him so. All the things that he does have a place. If they didn't, they wouldn't be passions, and he wouldn't be as effective a leader as he is. In fact, what I've discovered is that the best leaders out there are people who have a wide range of differing interests, all of which they make time for while also deliberately searching for connections between them. One of those passions, and it's a big one, is personal balance. I asked him if he had ever seen geese flying overhead in the well-known V formation that the birds use during their spring and fall migrations. Of course he had, he told me, all the time. So I asked him, do you know why they fly in that formation? He didn't, so I told him because it's relevant to the question at hand. The next time you hear the telltale honking of a formation of geese flying overhead, here, let me help. So, the next time you hear that, look up and look closely at the V. You'll notice that there's a single goose in the lead position, flying at what they call the tip of the spear. The others are arranged in pairs behind the lead goose, with each pair slightly farther apart than the pair ahead of them. That's what causes the V shape. By the way, do you know why one side of the V is almost always longer than the other side? No? Well, it's because of a fascinating biological fact. The reason one side is almost always longer than the other side of the V is because there are more geese on the longer side. You didn't see that coming, did you? Yeah, you can groan all you want, but you can't wait to find somebody else to go pull that on. Believe me, I know. I'm a student of human nature. Anyway, the lead goose has a tough job. During migration, the formation flies at an average speed of about 40 miles an hour although they've been known to reach speeds as high as 70 miles an hour with the right tailwind. But even at 40, that's an enormous amount of wind resistance they have to deal with, and the job of the lead bird is to use its body to break up the opposing headwind so that the birds directly behind don't have to. It's like bicycle riders drafting in behind the lead rider because the wind resistance is lower when they do that. But the lead goose can only do that for so long, because the amount of energy that's required is extremely high, and therefore tiring. So, the bird in the front of the V will stay in that position until it gets tired, at which point another bird moves forward, and the current leader rotates back into the V to rest. This happens constantly, a form of precise, carefully orchestrated teamwork that serves every member of the formation equally. Now, the reason I offered my colleague this avian analogy is because it works to help him deal with his conundrum about balance. As a longtime advisor to leadership teams all over the world, I found that if a leader spends too much time on a single activity or passion or interest or commitment, the result can lead to imbalance and overall a measurable decline in leadership effectiveness. And I'm going to use myself as an example. The things that occupy my time, both personally and professionally, and I'm excluding the very important time I spend with my wife and my kids and my grandkids, are reading, writing, staying on top of business and technology trends, lecturing and public speaking, teaching, scripting and producing podcasts, recording wildlife sounds, and doing nature photography. I do them all. And I can tell you without hesitation that spending time doing each one of them makes me better at all the others. But if I spend too much time on any one of them, it becomes stale and awkward, and I burn out on whichever one of them I'm giving too much of my time to. Now, let me be clear some of these passions, like wildlife sound recording and nature photography, look an awful lot like hobbies but they're every bit as important as the less frivolous-sounding activities like lecturing and public speaking. Reading, writing, speaking, and studying business and technology are my professional bread and butter. But lecturing, public speaking, and teaching allow me to share what I know and what I learn for the benefit of others, but also allow me to test what I know against other points of view. Podcasting forces me to do research, to tell stories, to share what I know in a non-visual way, which requires that I know my subject matter absolutely cold. And wildlife sound recording? It teaches me to not just hear, but to listen, a critical business and interpersonal skill. And nature photography is similar. It teaches me awe and respect, and to not just look but to see another critical business and interpersonal skill. But back to our geese flying in formation. In the same way that the geese rotate the lead position for maximum team efficiency, I do the same with my activities. I may focus heavily on writing for a time during which that craft occupies the front goose position in my V. After a while, though, I get tired of putting pen to paper or fingers to keyboard, as the case may be, and my output and my creativity wane, so I allow my writing to fall back into the V and replace it with photography, or doing research, or sound recording, or production of a podcast as the lead role. The process continues all day, every day, with each of my activities temporarily fighting the headwinds of distraction for all the others. In exchange, each lead goose, meaning each interest or passion, gets stronger and is then given time to rest and think about what its role is in the grander scheme of things. Good leaders balance passion in their personal and professional lives because if they don't, they become breeding grounds for resentment and inaction and mediocre performance. It's important to be the lead goose, But it's equally important to fall back and let others lead on occasion using the time in the back of the V to think, consider, ponder, and reflect. Those are all signs of an effective, passion-driven leader. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of The Natural Curiosity Project, and I just want to take a few additional seconds to thank you for the gift of your time. I started this program because I believe that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. If you've been a listener for a while, you know that the only thing that ties the episodes together is that each one covers a story that deserves to be told, and that each story is something that you should be curious about. I hope you enjoyed the journey we covered in this program. And if you did, please take a couple of minutes to write a brief review wherever you get your podcasts. I cannot tell you how much it means and how valuable it is to have those reviews. From my heart, thank you. And I'll see you in the next episode.